Segment two coming up of our podcast interview with the one and only Michael Carl. Mike, you've had a great time in Queensland, particularly since you became a regular at the Brisbane Metropolitan Meetings. Now, in 2000, you got yourself on a very brilliant horse called Falvalon. Now, I got a surprise when I looked his record up during the week. You only rode him six times. It seemed like a lot more than that. Yeah, John, I, I was uh, I was very fortunate to gain the ride on that horse. Alan Russell had been riding him. He was a champion apprentice here in Brisbane. He rode in his two and early three-year-old season, but Alan battled weight problems and and finally uh, finally relinquished. He, he couldn't keep uh, couldn't keep race riding. So Danny Bagore asked me if I'd be interested in riding him, and of course I was. And yeah, he, he turned out to be uh, he turned out to be, to be great for me. Mm. Well, your first ride on him, Mike, was in the Carlton Cup, which was a Group Two at the time. You won first up. He was only a three-year-old. Then he ran third to Mister Innocent in the ten thousand and a pretty good fifth to land sighting in the Stradbroke, and he had every hope that day, didn't he? No excuses. No, he had good runs in all those races, John. He, well, he was that type of horse. He was a, he was a very speedy customer, and he, he'd put himself into a good position, and he just had the steering from then on. He, he, he won the Carlton Cup very easily. Uh, he found the 1350 a shade too far in the Demon 10,000. He hit the front at the 200 metres, and then the Stradbroke was a little bit beyond him, but he still ran very well. Mm. Now, Michael, fate stepped in not long after that, and here comes the glorious uncertainty of racing. You had the worst fall of your career on the Sunshine Coast, and to this day, you tell me, you remember nothing about it. No, I don't, John, and I was, uh, my brother Matthew and I were heading to Fraser Island to go fishing. I, I dropped Matthew at the airport he was, that morning on my way to the races in Brisbane. He was mm. going to catch a flight up there and arrange the... Uh, accommodation and everything else we needed and I was going to drive on after the Sunshine Coast meeting but I, I never got there and that's the last thing I remember. Even though I rode the first winner on the day, mm. I fell in the second race and it, it was quite serious. I had a bleed to the brain as well as other injuries and I was airlifted to Brisbane first to Nambour Hospital close to Caloundra and then and then on to, uh, to Brisbane. I woke in hosp- up in hospital the next day but yeah, I don't have any recollection at all. Mm. Might be a good thing, hours. Mike. Yeah, it might be too, John. Yeah. yeah. It cost you, though, as far as Falvalon was concerned. I think he went to Melbourne after that and he raced really well. Damien Oliver got on him. Are you pretty sure you would have remained on Falvalon had that fall not occurred? Well, I was booked to ride him for the first two. Uh, at that stage, Danny Begore had two races pencilled in for him. I just can't remember exactly which races they were now. I think one might have been the Moya, mm. but he, uh, I was booked to ride him in both days. He won them both easily. Mm. And then he went on, I think he failed in the Gadsden, but then he, he went on to Hong Kong and won the international sprint there. Yeah. And and Damien rode mm. him in all of them, Hong Kong included. He did. Well, when, uh, when I wasn't fit enough and I was out of action, he gained the ride. But it's the old story, John, one jockey's bad luck is another jockey's good luck. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the way it is. And, and I, I was... It was, it was quite a serious fall, and I've, I've just got to be thankful that I've been able to come back from it as good as gold. But mm-hmm. There's been plenty of jockeys that haven't been able to, but, but um, it was costly in that regard in, uh, with Falvalon, but probably a small price at the end of the day when you've got your health. Well, thankfully, you got back on him in the autumn of 2001. You came to Sydney with Falvalon. He was a touch disappointing in the Galaxy. He went a lot better in the TJ Smith when he ran third, 
and you were fairly confident that he could go back to Brisbane and win the Doombin 10,000. You're right, Johnny. Falvalon at that stage was a horse that really needed a firm track. He needed a road, as they say, and and he uh, he got that in the uh, in the TJ Smith when he ran very well, and we thought we knew he'd take a little bit of improvement out of that run, and and he got conditions to suit in the Doombin 10,000, but he was right at his peak, and it and he won the race. He had a good run. He drew a good barrier. Had a nice run. He beat a good uh, mare of Guy Waters, Spinning Hill, I think. But he um, would have taken a very good horse to beat him that day. He was really right, right at his uh, top. Well, that was your last ride on him, Michael, as I recall. You did ride him in a one barrier trial after that, but you never rode him in a race again. No, that was that was the last time I partnered him, John. Mm. He won another Doombin 10,000, didn't he? He did. I was based in Hong Kong the next year. I think Damien uh, Oliver rode him in that one. Mm. Speaking about Hong Kong, how did that offer come up? Uh, you, you gained a jockey club contract and I think yeah. you started off with a bang, didn't you? First ride in a race in Hong Kong was a, a win on a pretty good horse. That's right, John. I um, I, I was approached by the Hong Kong Jockey Club not, not long after I won the Dermot 10,000. I was leading the premiership here in Brisbane at the time and and... Of course, I jumped at the chance to go and ride there. It's a, um, it's always been renowned as a, as a, an arena for top jockeys, and I, I was still keen to, to improve myself. So away I went, and I did. I, I won at my very first ride in Hong Kong at Sha Tin on a two-year-old of John Moore's called Able Choice, mm. and uh, that's, I think even to this day now, I'm the last Brisbane-based jockey to be offered a contract in Hong Kong. So mm. it's something I'm quite proud, proud of. But it was, it was a terrific experience riding there. Well, you did well in Hong Kong, but you did even better in Macau. Now, when exactly did you get to Macau? Take me from well, the end of your Hong Kong contract. Yeah, I'd been in Hong Kong for on and off for 18 months, and I was finding it a bit hard. My wife, Maxine, had stayed. Her, she had quite a good uh, position working here. She was a bit reluctant to go to Hong Kong with me. We decided it'd be best for her to stay here, so I, I went on my own. I got a bit. I started to struggle a bit. As far as managing uh, my weight goes, and yeah. and towards the end of my Hong Kong time, I, I wasn't riding that many winners. I was struggling for support, and I was approached by the Macau Jockey Club to be, see if I'd be interested in going there. And I, I was a bit lukewarm at first, but then I thought, no, I'll, get, I'll go and give it a go. And Maxine, uh, that stage, said she'd had enough and of working here, being on a, mm. a part. So she came over too. We both went to Macau, and uh, and, and it turned out very good, John. Yeah, I had a um, I had a fabulous season there. Did you what? You rode 112 winners. You won the Jockeys Premiership and you won the Macau Derby on a horse trained by Mick Kent. That's right, John. I did. I um, I think it was a record at the time, the 112 winners. It's subsequently been broken, but mm. I did. I had a terrific uh, time. I was very fortunate to ride for good trainers like Mick Kent, Barry Baldwin, mm. a couple of the local Chinese trainers. I, I rode a lot of winners and, uh, mm. and Macau racing was very strong in those days and yeah, we had a we had a really. I think I was there about fourteen months, but you couldn't have asked for more. Really, it turned out really good. You must have been in career best form, were you, Michael? One hundred and twelve winners. You were on fire. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I used to race twice a week, John, and oh, look, I was getting some good opportunities. I was getting some pretty good opportunities, and I had some support from uh, some good Hong Kong owners. Mm. And, yeah, no, but they did. I, I I think I rode four winners there. I, when I won the Derby, I think I rode four winners there. That day and mm. 
I think I raced four a few times. But the, it was a good thrill to win the derby. It was their, their group one, and it well, yeah. had a few group ones, but that was their biggest race. I always, always wanted to win a derby. I've ridden in a few of them, but that's, mm. that, that was my best result. But it, and, uh, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. Well, that Macau Premiership wasn't your only one. You won a Brisbane Jockeys Premiership. You were just nutted by the late Tim Bell in another one. And as you said mm-hmm. earlier, Michael, the year you went to Hong Kong, uh, which was well into the racing season in Australia, you were a mile in front in the Brisbane Premiership. Yeah, I was, John. And it was a tiny bit of a difficult decision to stay or go because I was riding for Gerald Ryan, who had a good team of horses, and we had two or three that looked like they could have been potentially Group 1 types. And as you said, I was a long way in front in the Premiership and probably wasn't it wasn't an easy uh task to trade that all in to go to Hong Kong which is mm. pretty much going to be pretty tough going but I was prepared to do it and yeah I don't have any regrets. Just running through some of your major wins now we've already mentioned the Doombin 10,000 on Falvalon and the Macau Derby you won a Stradbroke in 05 for your great friend and great supporter Bevan Lamming a horse called St Basil he was a grey wasn't he? He was a grey you're right John mm. and uh he was a. I, ra- I remember riding him in an Ipswich maiden. I c- couldn't tell you the year. It might have been two thousand. It was before I went to Hong Kong, mm. and he'd, he'd had two runs in Victoria and been unplaced. And I rode him in his thousand metre maiden at Ipswich, and he missed the start. And I thought that's the end of this. Mm. Anyway, he got up and won. Mm. And I left not long after that to go to Hong Kong. But I think I was in Hong Kong and Macau close to three years all up. And by the time I got back, I hadn't followed Australian racing that closely, but I was a bit surprised to see the level St. Basil had gone to. He'd been close up in a few group ones, mm. and I'd only been back here a couple of months when I, when I rode him in a Stradbroke, and, and he won. He'd better, he'd better, he came from a wide barrier, mm. had a pretty good run in transit, and, and he finished over the top of them. Yeah. Michael, for the benefit of people who are curious about the bird noises in the background there, I should point out that you've actually gone ashore near North Stradbroke so you could talk to us on the podcast. So uh, you've yeah, got some weird and wonderful species hovering around you there. Yeah, there's plenty of, um, plenty of bird life here, John. Plenty <laughs> so. of bird life. <laughs> now, what about the 2013 Magic Millions two-year-old classic? This gave you a big kick for your old mate, Kelso Wood, on Real Surreal. Uh, yeah. Lightly raced that horse, only had 16 starts. Yeah, she was, John. She was, uh, it, was a, it was a great thrill to win the Magic Millions. It's a race I'd always wanted to win, being it sort of the, the benchmark race here at the Gold Coast. And I'd ridden it a few times, so I think third was the closest I'd run on a horse of Bevan Lemmings. But she was, uh, she was a filly that got back in the races but had a, had a powerful finish. And mm. she was owned by people that are very good supporters of mine, Peter and Michelle McMahon. I've ridden a good three-year-old for them, Benny's Buttons, who Kelso Wood had always would mm. also trained. But, yeah, Real Surreal was a long way back in the field. and But the brakes came away and she uh, she finished powerfully to beat a, a good um, – well, she turned out to be a very good mayor of Gay Waterhouse, a sweet idea. Mm. Michael, the passing of Kelso Wood last year uh, was – felt by the entire racing industry around Australia. He was one of the great gentlemen and the great trainers in the industry. Yes, he's a very good trainer, John. His horses looked immaculate when they came into the enclosure. You could always always pick one of Kelso's out when you looked at them. And his record uh, ate for itself. But I had good success for Kelso. I rode quite a few feature winners for him, but mm. that uh, really topped it off winning that Magic Millions. Mm. 
Now, the Group 1 Tats Tiara was a nice one on Russeting. Uh, it was then called the Winter Stakes. This was a filly by Command. She won nine races in all. She was trained by Bart Cummings, but I think it was her first start for Bart, wasn't it? She'd come from another stable. It was too. John, you're right there. She was trained in Toowoomba. Mm. Uh, I'm just escapes me who did train her, but she uh, that was her first run for, for Bart Cummings. I was booked to ride her in the Gay Waterhouse at Ipswich the, the week before, and she drew she drew the car butt part, so Bart scratched mm. her from that and ran her in the, ran her in the winter stakes, and she came up with Barrier 4 and mm. and had a perfect run and, 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 and won the race, and it was a great thrill for me to, to, to ride a, a Group 1 winner for that for that great trainer. Mm. I've ridden quite a bit for him over the years. I was fortunate to, um, to ride a lot for him here in Brisbane during the winter winter times but that topped it off winning that race just stand by michael we'll have a quick break on the podcast back after this the 2019 sydney classic yearling sale will entail four days of book one february the 9th to the 12th when 808 yearlings will be offered and the highway session book two february the 14th which will see a further 205 youngsters go under the hammer Wednesday the 13th of February will be a highway race day at Warwick Farm featuring two highway handicaps, one for country trained horses, one for provincial trained horses. If the winner of either highway race is an eligible English graduate, the winning trainer will receive a $50,000 credit voucher to spend at the highway session the following day. In recent years, the classic sale has produced horses like She Will Reign, Yankee Rose, Extreme Choice, Extra Brute, I Am A Star, Hellbent and Maid of Heaven, all distinguished Group 1 winners. Top horses just keep turning up from the Sydney Classic Yearling Sale. Talking to top Queensland jockey Michael Carl, who has just gone ashore near North Stradbroke Island, so he can talk to us on the podcast. Mike, I'll just run through some of the uh, the nice horses and the good races you've won. Natural Blitz was a good horse for you. He was Victorian trained by Doug Harrison. He ran third in a Doombin Cup. Uh, he won the O'Shea Stakes Group 2. I think he was unplaced in the Ipswich Cup. Uh, then you came to Sydney to ride him, didn't you, in two or three races? I did, John, yeah. I came down to Sydney and rode him in a Craven Stakes, I think. Right, and then you went to Melbourne with him? Yeah, I did too. I rode him in the Caulfield Cup. He went fourth. He was a good horse, natural bitch. Mm. I had a pretty good association with him. He was trained by Doug Harrison. Yep. You weren't too far away in the Caulfield Cup, just over a length. Yeah, no, he ran very well. He was a, he was a horse that seemed to like a bit of room. He seemed to race best when he got a bit of room, but he, he um he was always round. He raced in top company all his career, and he was always round about. His, his win in the O'Shea Stakes was very good. He jumped from a wide gate and, mm. and really. Um, Just have a listen to some of these achievements, Michael. The Group Two Dane Ripper on our sweet moss. You won the Gay Waterhouse Classic four times, the Caloundra Cup twice, the Glasshouse twice, the Toowoomba Cup, Ipswich Cup. Eyeliner Stakes, Doombin Roses, and his one in Sydney, the Todman Slipper Trial. You absolutely bolted in in that. He went into the Golden Slipper, won by Belle du Jour, year 2000, and coming to the 200, you looked a cheeky chance of winning the Slipper. 
he did, John. He, he was a smart little two-year-old great crusader and he, the wide barrier cost him in the golden slip. He may not have won, but he, he, he could have finished the place. But he, he did. He looked a good hope there to the 200 and then his, mm. the early effort told him crossing from the wide gate and, and he folded. He still wasn't that far away at the finish. No, I was lucky oh, to win run. the Todman's yeah. Super Trial on him. But, and I won a couple of feature two-year-old races here in Brisbane on him as well. He, he was a good two-year-old. You won the Group 3 Healy Stakes three times. You won a Liverpool City Cup at Warwick Farm on Bomber Bill. You won a Hollandale on Lee Baz. You won a Ramorny Handicap on King Rex. You won a Grafton Cup on a horse called Desktop Lover. And we can't leave the winner segment without mentioning Balboa Rocks in the Sunshine Coast Cup recently paying $95. Yeah, that was a bit of a bit of a surprise, John. Yeah, he was um, he was uh, he didn't look like he was uh, a winning chance going into the race, but he uh, capable enough horse on his day. Trained by a very good trainer in Daryl Hanson, who who mm. can uh, who certainly does have a good strike rate. Anyway, this horse performed well on the day. Mm, certainly did. He came from near last and swamped him. He had written yeah. for some wonderful trainers, Michael in Queensland, John Hawkes, when he had the Brisbane stable. But you've already mentioned Gay Waterhouse and Bevan Lamming is probably the trainer with whom you've had the most success. Yeah, probably over the duration of my time in Queensland. Bevan's been a, uh, a terrific help and support to me. I started riding for him, I did probably 96, John, I think Silver Rome, and my first ride for him was a winner at Ipswich. And, mm. and I, I've ridden some good horses for Bevan over the years. I rode a very good filly for him, I'm a ripper. Yeah. She went to Melbourne, I won a uh, Champagne Stakes on her at Mooney Valley. Mm. Uh, right through to St Basil winning the Stradbroke, but we've had a good we've had a good association even to this day. We've talked about some of your overseas stints already, but I just thought of another one. Didn't you have a trip to Mauritius? Yes, John, I did. I, I've ridden in several uh, different countries. Uh, Mauritius is one of them that we were based in. Uh, Maxine and I and our, our daughter Amelia. Amelia went to school in Mauritius and. My son Harry, who was uh, that was before he was old enough to attend school, but we were there for one season, and it's a pretty demanding place, Mauritius too, for a jockey. But, mm. but I didn't mind my time there, and but at the, at the end of the day, I was I was pleased to come home too. But it was another good experience, a French-speaking island it is. Mm. Tight little racetrack too, I hear. It's a tight track, John, but it's a testing track. Is it? Yeah, up and downhill, and it's good good for a jockey, good learning curve for jockeys to go and ride there. Mm. Mike, you figured in one of the ugliest race falls ever seen in Australia in the year 2000, the Ipswich Cup. 16 horses lined up and jumped out of the barrier, turning down the back straight, the leader, Mushtak, in a freakish incident, snapped both forelegs. He brought down half the field, including Michael Carl. How'd you get out of that one? Oh, I was lucky, John. I got out of it as good as gold. I think I might have even rode the next day. But at the time, it was pretty uh, traumatising. I, I was back in the field on a horse of Bart Cummings, mm. whose name escapes me now. But I remember hearing a really loud bang up ahead of me. And I, and I looked up to see Mushtak was almost vertical. And mm. the next minute, they were falling in front of me. And I remember thinking, there's been four or five fall. No more can go down. Now I'll be right. And I no, no sooner thought that than... Mm. The one I was in the following fell and I went straight over the top of it and was brought down. And 
and and horses come out of the trouble for me. I was hit, hit in the back, and I was in a bit of pain there for a little while. But but I was lucky. I, I came out of it all right. But it was certainly a uh, it was certainly a, a, an upsetting. Uh, races, that's for sure. The head-on footage is not only spectacular, it's quite sickening. Yeah, they're just lucky everyone got out of it pretty good. I think Matthew Cravado might have had a broken leg from memory, but mm. I think we all, um, we all got out of that pretty good, really, because it certainly didn't look, didn't look good. It was a nasty incident. Your brother, Matthew Carl, remains one of the best jockeys in the country regions of New South Wales. He had a golden opportunity some years ago, Michael, when Jack Denham wanted him in Sydney by hook or by crook. Matthew gave it a try, but he could not settle into the city life. No, Matthew was a bit like me. John were both bush boys, country boys, and he um, Matthew had a lot of success when he was with uh, the, the Denham family. He rode, uh, I think he was a leading apprentice. Uh, he was third on the jockey's table behind Ron Quinton and Jim Cassidy, but it wasn't enough. For him to stay though, he was he, he was similar to me. He wanted to get back to the bush, and mm. he had good offers to go back to Sydney even when he came back home. But he, but he wasn't the rest. He was happy living in the country, and, and even to this day. But he's gone back, and he's written he's written quite a few feature winners in in Sydney. And uh, but he he remains uh, he, he likes the country lifestyle, and, and you won't you won't get him out of there. No, that's why he's won seven Cowra Cups. Yeah, no, he's had a, yeah. he's been he's been pretty successful. John, I think he won quite a few Canberra premierships too. He was oh yeah, stable rider for John Morrissey there for a period. And now Matthew's been lucky. He's had a he's had a very um a very successful career. Mm. You said something to me on the phone during the week that surprised me. You think he's a more talented jockey than you are? Yeah, I think Matthew's probably had, had more natural ability than I. I've I've probably had more. Hunger and desire mm. to um to succeed in it than Matthew, but uh, but when it comes down to ability, sheer ability, I'd, I'd probably say Matthew's ahead of me on that front. Mm. You were a late entry in the parenthood stakes. Your daughter Amelia is fourteen. Your son Harry is just nine. Any budding jockeys in the family? <laughs> I don't know about that, John. I'd be more interested in uh, Amelia's. Interesting netball, and she's full time with the schooling. She's in secondary school at Emmanuel College here on the Gold Coast, and, and she takes up a fair bit of her time. And Harry's pretty keen on computer games and motorbikes and soccer. He's a he's a <laughs> budding soccer player. So yeah. at the moment, <laughs> at the moment, that might be the racing side of it's a fair way away. Well, Maxine is far too busy to be a devoted racing fan, but she does watch Sky Racing whenever you've got a ride. She knows what's going on. Yeah, Maxine follows it closely, John. She's been a terrific support to me. I couldn't have, uh, I couldn't have gone halfway as far as I have in my career without her support. And um, right to this day, she's um, she's been uh, been terrific for me. Mate, I know you don't mind my mentioning the fact that you turned fifty-four recently. I've already given you up early in the interview when I said you've been riding for forty years. But jockeys like Robert Thompson and Jeff Lloyd have put a whole new slant on this, haven't they? They have, John. You're 100% right. They're great inspirations, both those guys, for people like myself. And I, I never envisaged for a second that I'd be riding in races into my 50s. I always thought I'd probably be retired late 30s if I was mm. lucky to get that far. But it, you're right. It's a different 
landscape now. And Robbie Fraud's another one. Robbie's a bit, a bit older than I am, six months yeah. or so older than I am, and he's riding winner after winner here in Brisbane. But yeah. I think it comes down to the individual. And uh, they said that the saying you're only as old as you feel. Well, I, I don't feel 54, that's for sure. I can. Mm. So you just keep going while we can, I suppose. Yeah, and Michael, you, you, you're a fitness freak. You do plenty of work away from the racetrack. I'm a fitness addict, John. I, I don't feel right if I don't train, do some sort of training each day. Mm. And I think it gets into the system. I've been doing it for so long now. I had uh, a good guy probably, oh, geez, 15 years ago, Ron Johnson, mm. helped me with my weight, and he instilled a uh, he instilled a, an ethic into me to, where I um where I train, I train pretty hard, but I think it helps with your riding, especially mm. as you as you get on in years and and your re- reflexes and your flexibility and everything. Mm. And I think the fitter you are, the the better you can be riding. That's for sure. I think your late dad Ozzy used to say, when a jockey gets older, and uh, maybe his best years are behind him, the first thing that changes is his seat, S E A T, his style on the horse's back. Uh, I'm sure Ozzy uh, made a point of telling you that long time ago. He did too, John, and me being as keen as I was about riding, I always, I'd always be peppering with questions and things, and he, he said that. I still remember him mentioning that right through our career, my, my early days, But and he's pretty right too. So I've always made a conscious effort to try and keep my seat a bit how it usually is. But. Mm, well, you still keep pretty low on them. I've noticed that just lately. Yeah, I try to, John. Probably, probably um, that was instilled in, in me very early. Mm. Sit, sit low and um, not have much keep the wind resistance to a minimum. And mm. yeah, I still try and I'm still try and ride the way I was taught to ride. Michael, it's been a wonderful, wonderful career. And when I look back on that list of winners we've just been talking about, it leaves me with one question: How the hell did you get beat on Red Afro at Goolagong? Uh, a bit. Um, Inexperienced, John, I'll put it down there. Inexperienced. <laughs> no, been a wonderful career, mate. You've earned the respect of not only your fellow jockeys but owners and trainers right throughout the entire Australian racing industry and wherever you've been in the world. Well done. Keep up the good work. There's no sign of you stopping and I hope you don't stop for a long, long time. And thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, John. It was an honour to be asked to, uh, to, to go on your program. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, John. Podcast produced by Supernova South. 2019 English Select Yearling Sales Series is almost upon us, with close to 3,000 yearlings to be offered through the Southern Hemisphere's number one equine auction house. Catalogues for the Sydney Classic Yearling Sale and the Melbourne Premier Sale are now available online at inglis.com.au and in hard copy, while the Easter Preview magazine featuring almost 500 world-class pedigrees is also ready for your perusal. 1,013 horses will be offered at the Classic Sale, beginning at the Riverside Stables on the night of Saturday, February the 9th, directly after the Inglis Race Day at Warwick Farm. In a stunning catalogue, there are relations to 76 stakes winners, including eight group winners, and the progeny of 103 stakes winning mares, including 10 group one winners. Riverside Stables will be hosting sheer quality at the 2019 Classic Yearling Sale.